podcast. Uh, June 22nd, 2023, we're talking about the home where the buffalo run. The skies are not cloudy all day. What does the skies are not cloudy all day mean? Does that mean there's not a cloud in the sky all day long? Or does that mean there's periods of time during the day that the, the, the skies is not cloudy? And you can take it both ways. And there's that passage in Second Thessalonians 2 that people take two different ways. Say, oh, we'll know who the Antichrist is. Yes, we will know. He'll be revealed to us. We'll know. And there's another way of looking at it. The skies aren't cloudy all day. And no, we won't know him. So there's places like that that we really need to fellowship. Because I don't know. I mean, uh, and I think that we have to approach Bible study from a position of humility. If we're too dogmatic about something and we end up being wrong... Well, that's not good, right? See, you know, uh, it's not good for the dog. Yeah. But you know, as I pass this around, Peter gave that amazing sermon at Pentecost. Everybody heard what he said in their own language, some sort of heavenly language that the Holy Spirit gave him, useful for communicating and overcoming that language barrier that God put in place in, I guess, Genesis 11, right? At the Tower of Babel. Um, The um, thing that this gift of tongues in some of these charismatic churches it's being faked. There is such a gift. The Holy Spirit gives that gift. He gives that ability. And um, that's my opinion. I don't want to paint that with a broad brush either. I know some true, de- truly dedicated believers, and they're from charismatic uh, congregations. But I... Um, You know, I don't personally believe some of this stuff that you hear is real tongues, like what we saw at Pentecost. So Peter, um, he gave that sermon. But was he doctrinally perfect at that time? Definitely not, because he was teaching Judaism and followed the Mosaic dietary laws. Paul had to face him up, face him down in Galatians 2. He says, I withstood him to his face. He says, you're teaching wrong. You're doing wrong. You're misleading people. Did Peter listen? I don't think he did because it took Acts chapter 10 and the vision of the sheet coming down, go and kill and eat. God told Peter, oh, not so. Lord, never eat anything unclean. God said, don't call it unclean if I have made it clean. Now, the greater picture was, yes, the Gentiles, but God wouldn't use an unclean animal to to give Peter an object lesson and say that he should go eat it if it wasn't okay to eat. And we can eat pigs if we want to. According to First Timothy 4, our food is sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. So um, <clears throat> I, um, I take comfort in that knowing that i could have some stuff a little bit jacked up here or there and maybe god could still use me here and there um i 
I have learned because I was an atheist for a lot of years and, and then I was a false convert for about seven years. Wasn't even saved. Thought it was. I was arguing with the guy about how I'm not, I can't lose my salvation. We were having an online debate on the computer. A retired police officer from Pennsylvania. He ran a website and it was totally dedicated to bashing the once saved, always saved doctrine, which most Baptists and, and I believe... Um, I don't. I won't say I'm a Baptist. I just say I'm a Christian. And, um, but the irony was, I I didn't have the salvation. I was trying to convince him I couldn't lose. You got to have it. You got to have it before you lose it. If you're truly saved, you're going to keep that because you know. But I was reading an NIV Bible at the time, as Chuck Missler said. Are you have you tested NIV positive? You might need to do something about that. <laughs> uh, he was a great teacher. I'm sure you're familiar with him. I've studied after him for 40 years. Missler? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love him. One of my favorite quotes of his was, prayers are the artillery of the Christian. Mm-hmm. Prayers are the artillery of the Christian. And something else he said, when you think you've found a, congr- a contradiction in the Word of God, when you think you've found a mistake in the Word of God, and two things that don't coincide, he said, that's like a sign that says, dig here, you're going to find some treasure. And it's always been true. When you reconcile something, you learn something more, much more. <laughs> As having been an atheist long before I got, you know, I was an atheist longer than I've been a Christian. But I know how atheists think, and I know how they attack the truth. And so when I see something that I can't quite get my mind around in Scripture, I have to find it because if somebody throws that at me, i got to be able to answer them. Like in Exodus 33, when Moses spoke to the Lord there, the mountain he spoke to him face to face as a friend speaks to a friend later in that chapter Moses says show me your glory now and God says you can't see my face and live <coughs> I asked the seminary trained Baptist minister from over in Galax church where he was going I said what's up with this and he kind of went around about way of changing the subject you know and this whole catch all thing if you can fly the universe through well you know God works in mysterious ways. Yeah, I realize that. The Bible says he does, but I don't think he's the author of confusion either. I think he wants us to understand something. God told Moses, but there's a place in the cleft of the rock where I will hold you as I pass by. You can see part of me, my hinder parts. Well, the rock is always Jesus Christ throughout Scripture. He's, it's, he's always Christ, the rock. And... I mean, Abraham obviously spoke to somebody debating for the fate of uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, that was the Lord, pre-incarnate Christ. He, and if that fills up, just flip it over. I'll photograph both sides. Um, so that's um, who Moses talked to face-to-face as a friend speaks to a friend. Later on, we learn that... Uh, Jesus does call us friends. And uh, that's a wonderful thing, to be called his friend. So that wasn't hard to understand. I don't know why that minister didn't answer me that way. 
one of my favorites, and I know some of y'all heard it before, is this water separation. The, it's in it's in Numbers 34, I believe, is where you see this. And so, and Eliezer the priest told the congregation, when you come back from battle, wash everything in the water of separation if it can't abide the fire. First, put it in the fire. If it can, if it can abide the fire, which I assume means iron and, and things that won't be burned up, if you put them in the fire, he said, then it'll be clean. If it cannot abide the fire, it must be washed in the water of separation for cleansing. I was, I was thinking, I know how fire purifies stuff. You know, you're going to pick out a splinter, you... You sometimes put the tip of that needle in, in a flame in case there's any germs on there before you start digging. But what's this water of separation? You go Numbers 19. And it's the red heifer sacrifice. And there's some ceremony there where the priest, they cut the red heifer's throat. And he sprinkles blood toward the temple. And there's some other ceremonial things there. But the thing that they... It culminates with is burning this this carcass of the red heifer and piling cedar wood on top of it, piling hyssop onto it, and scarlet wool. So it says when this goes out, when the fire goes out, we had to burn a cow out here one time that died. Uh, but there's all this fat still left over. It's like the bottom of the skillet. You've cooked something, the fat, there it is. Plus, you know, he said gather all this together when the fire goes out and carry it and put it aside in a special place in the pool for the water separation. This is for the water separation. Interesting. So I said, this doesn't clean anything. This is a mess, Lord. This is not acceptable to me. I got to know what this is. I was studying with Oseman at the time, this fellow from West Africa. He's gone back there now, um, Gambia. And heck, it just dawned on me. I've probably seen something not in the recent weeks. What do you got? You've got animal fat right here. And you've got wood ash from all this burned cedar. And what do we make with animal fat and ashes? Lice soap. So they try to give the Egyptians credit for inventing soap in like 800 B.C. No, God invented soap in 1450 B.C. But the, the, the lesson to me there, too, is he didn't give the, he didn't give the Hebrew people a, a tutorial on microbiology. <laughs> they couldn't have understood that. Um, he just said, do this and it'll be clean. So you just do what he says, even though you don't understand why. I don't understand why I have to do this, God. And so often that's kind of how some of us feel. But if you're obedient, then you won't get sick from the germs and so forth in this situation. So little thing, nuggets like that. I looked immediately to see if there was anybody on the Internet that had come up with that same conclusion. I found one rabbi. No, he wasn't even talking about that. He, and you know, he's he was not a messianic Jew. He was talking about something else and about the sacrifice. And 
he mentioned water separation, and he said in parentheses, which is soap, and he went right on. Like that wasn't anything that stunning. To me, it was stunning. I thought it was outstanding. So, thank you. Um, but when you find things like that in the Word, your appreciation for it goes up tenfold. All these folks think they find mistakes. They don't. They find what looks like one. And normally, they find something that was reconciled a thousand years ago. And a thousand times since that time. Our faith is going to be challenged more in the days ahead of us than it's probably ever been challenged. We are a threat to the enemy, as we should be. If Satan's not throwing stuff at you, apparently he doesn't consider you much of a threat. So he will try to get a foothold in your life in places or try to uh, turn you upside down, try to confuse you. You got to pray your way out of it and resist him and he will flee. It was going to be as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah when Jesus returns. Are we there? I think we kind of are there. Celebrating horrible homosexual sin. I'm not talking about just two guys that are still trying to make their minds up about who they are, what they are. You know, you can make mistakes. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, some of you all were homosexuals. Some of you were. But you were washed, you were cleansed by the Word. And some of you were other things. He didn't give them any necessarily lower ranking on that scale of things not to do than he did the slanderers or the, or the thieves or uh, the drunkards or, or whatever. It's all sin. We have the prayer list here. Um, we have um, Osman and his church in Gambia. Marcos is always asking for prayer for his son to be saved. He, he lives in Florida. Our children and our grandchildren. Sam Long for wisdom and blessings as he chooses what branch of the military to enter into. I think he's leaning toward the army. That's probably a good call. Marta and Charles and the Seaburn. Uh, prayer warriors, friends of the podcast and Bible study, John and Ruby and Vassy and Linda. Bob is praying for his son, Mike, for peace concerning the loss of his sister. Pray for unsaved family members up north, our country's leaders, the folks in Europe. Jarrett, uh, having dental issues. I don't know what that's like. Grandchildren. And uh, is this Sherrits? 
Sherrits. And the first part of that was? Uh, salvage. Oh, okay, salvage of Sherrits. He had uh, heart surgery yesterday. Okay. He's 86 years old. And they didn't go here. They went through here to clip something up there so he's, some valve would close. Ah. You know. Okay. But he's a character, boy, I tell you. Well, I know he's in God's hands. And... All right. Ray, uh, wisdom for all. We should always ask for wisdom. According to James chapter 1, we ask for it. We, if we believe we'll get it, we'll get it. And then there is, not, there is no wisdom except that that comes from God. You know, there's intelligence and there's knowledge and there's wisdom. Intelligence, you know, you, 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 know, you can be born good looking and look good all your life. That's something God gave you. And some of us, not so much. Not so much. What about intelligence? That is a God-given gift. It's whatever He imparts to you. Whatever He gives you at birth. You're not going to get more intelligent. It's just what you have. And it's your mental faculties. And often the more intelligent you are, the more trouble you have relating to the one who made you because you question everything. Why do you want me to wash something in this mess of wood ashes and animal fat and hyssop? What's this hyssop? Well, hyssop's one of the ingredients in Listerine. That ends up, too, in the water of separation. Hyssop is an antiseptic, and even the pine oil, the evergreen oil itself, evergreen oil is an antiseptic. I don't know what the scarlet wool, I don't know what the wool is, unless it allowed for the soap to be caked better and hold together better. That would be one guess. Intelligence is what you have. You can't increase that. You can increase knowledge. You can be extraordinarily knowledgeable about something and only of average intelligence. You can be extremely intelligent and not very knowledgeable about many things. You get knowledge in school. You won't Retain it if you don't use it. And most of what all of us were taught in school, we no longer remember. We no longer know. We no longer need it. We don't remember it. Wisdom comes from God. And He wants us to have wisdom. And that's why He, he didn't tell us to ask for knowledge. He didn't tell us to ask that we could be more intelligent. But he does ask us to. He gives us that idea. Maybe you should pray, ask for wisdom, and believe it. Then I'll give it to you, and I'll give it to you. The families of the crew members on that submarine that went down to the Titanic, uh, they're going to be in great mourning now. The, um, they found the wreckage of it. They sent a robot sub down there and looked and found that it was crushed. There were five souls on board. They probably died instantly because communications clipped just like that. I hope, I hope they knew. I hope they knew Christ. So yes, for those families. Um. 
Eric, Rex, Ted, President Trump, in our opinion, he is the president. He did not get defeated. Persecuted Christians and patriots. Nancy Owens for healing and our troops. Emergency workers. Paul Vaughn as he battles something that might take his life, but not unless God allows it. Let's join hands. Heavenly Father God, we thank you for this assembly. We pray that you be with us and pray that we can help each other, learn from one another, iron sharpening iron. Give us wisdom, yes. Give us understanding. We lift these concerns up to you, Lord, knowing that you always do what's right and you define what is right by doing it. We thank you, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, there's a lot of uh, talk right now about the rapture of the church and uh, many are believing that uh, I'm going to go to Luke 17 many are believing that this whole alien thing will be used as an excuse as to what happened to all the Christians where did they go? But I don't know that the world at large will consider that it's been a, a rapture of the Christian church. Uh, the secular world will say, we've been seeing these UFOs everywhere. They're showing us more and more of them all the time. They'll say, what are you saying that's a Christian church rapture? You know, the Pope's still in office over there. He hadn't gone anywhere. Nor would he. We believe that the rapture will come before the tribulation because we have that picture in the um, feasts of Leviticus 23. And that's a good study, too, to go through. I concluded that those seven feasts in Leviticus 23, they all had to do with Christ and the church, every one of them. The first four were fulfilled on the dates that the Hebrew people were keeping them. Jesus fulfilled Passover on Passover. You know, first fruits was fulfilled on unleavened bread on unleavened bread. First fruits at the resurrection. Pentecost, the church, was created on that day. And it's interesting that the bread they made for that feast, God said, put leaven in that bread. And this is the first of the feasts that he asked to put leaven in it. Why? Because, well, that's us, I think. That's the church, and we, yep, we got leaven. We have, you know, we, we will have sinful flesh until he res resurrects our, us, you know, we, we're kind of well, in it. sun actually came out today. Yeah, I see yeah. that. It it's been a long, dreary week, but hey, we needed the rain, really. And uh, it's always a blessing. Places that don't get rain, you know. I mean, living right in this little part of America, we, we haven't had it too hard. 
it it's almost like there's enough of us here to you know garner the blessing and favor of God you know maybe I'm just maybe I'm off base there but The uh, fall feasts that are coming up, you got Rosh Hashanah, Feast of Trumpets, and and then you have the Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, and then you have Tabernacles. In my opinion, this is my personal opinion, Tabernacles is, is going to be, the rapture could be fulfilled on that holiday, that feast day. Because what do they do? They go away for seven days and stay in a little room for seven days. That kind of sounds like a seven-year kind of thing there going into the tribulation. But I think that the uh, UFO stuff is going to get more and more commonly seen on TV, on the news. And if you, I don't watch much news, hardly any. But I do see enough to know that they're talking about it a lot. And they got all these military dignitaries acknowledging it. Yep, it's happening. Saw them. Yep. We've got these uh, naval and air force pilots, jet pilots, saying this thing blew us off the off the radar. We just it went past us like we was painted on the cloud. And they got camera imagery of this stuff. What is this stuff? It's been around a long time. It's not little green men from another planet. Back in the late '80s, Withville became. Very well known for UFOs. Gordon's nodding his head. You remember this? I remember that, yeah. I even had a t-shirt with all that stuff on it. Yeah. Well, we were featured on that Unsolved Mysteries program. I mean, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and tell you I saw two of them. I was in a convertible car coming down Main Street one night. Heading toward the Lutheran Church, out toward where Food City is now. Saw this big bright light up in the sky above that church, and uh, I, um, what in the world? Top was down on the car. And I watched traffic for a second, and I was make sure it wasn't going to hit anybody, and I looked back, and that big bright light was off, but there were these little lights on a pyramid shape. And, um, Earl, were you around this part of the country back? Okay. A little pyramid shape, and it was hanging there. And I stopped. Not only was it, did I stop, but several people did. Got out of their cars. I didn't have to get on my car. I could just sit there and look at it. Well, it starts to move out that way, south toward, I guess, uh, Sand Mountain. Very slowly at first, so we're going to follow it. It's not making a sound. We go along. There's a big line of us, a line of cars. I almost rear-ended a Chevy pickup with a camper top at one point. And it was because dogs and cats were running crazy. They were all over the place. They could hear the sound this thing was making, I think. But human ear couldn't hear it. You know, like a dog whistle. They can hear it. We can't hear it. It got on out there a ways, and then it just turned it on, and it was gone. And it had a little strobe flashing just like it's supposed to. Like, let us comply with Federal Aviation Administration's guidelines. And it had that strobe on it. But I know what it was shaped like. It, was, it didn't have wings. It was a pyramid. Later, I saw another one. 
I was at Flying J unloading fuel, and I got that job in 94. The first one I saw was like 88, I guess. Yeah. And um, I called Danny Gordon the next day, radio station. Yeah. Like to never got through because everybody was calling, and he was putting together all this information of these eyewitness accounts of these things. And so uh, I was up there unloading fuel, and truck stops real noisy. It's late at night. I'm just standing there waiting for the trailer to drain and uh, didn't have anything better to do than to look up and I did and there one went going along this one thought it was a school bus it had two red lights alternating as the Lord is my witness I speak to you the truth that's what it looked like that's what it was then I saw one after I married Christian we were watching some program about this kind of thing and one of those things landed on an Air Force base and it couldn't get away for some reason decided it either, either didn't want to go or it was just still sitting there because uh, it couldn't move I don't know but they were interviewing this one striper uh, Air Force called them security police instead of military I think just to equate the the Air Force security police more like a mall cop maybe I don't know <laughs> but he uh, he was describing what happened and he walks up to it he said and he laid his hand on it he told him not to go up there don't let anybody pass this point apparently it happened so suddenly they were not able to muster together enough real troops all Air Force bases have Army and Marines on them but not a lot usually he said it was cold like a tombstone and he wasn't afraid and he turned around and he walked back down to where he was supposed to be and then he turned back around and it was coming up and I said to Christian and I said they don't make any noise they don't make a sound and I no more got that off my lips and that airman said and it didn't make any noise it was as quiet as it could be now, are these experimental military aircraft stuff they've had for a while? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. To me, if you've got something that high-tech and that top secret and you want to fly it over a little downtown Withville and it's so close to the ground somebody can throw a rock at it, I'm not sure that is, is really what was going on. I don't know. But there's more and more of these tales coming out. They're not talking about the pyramids anymore, but there's different things that people are seeing. And I think they're going to pawn off the rapture of the church on these aliens and their UFOs. That's one of their ideas. All these people are standing in the way of progress. These uh, religious fanatics, you know, and they'll have some spokesperson speaking for the aliens, quote-unquote, that will say that. A lot of people were determined... Uh, We've used our artificial intelligence and we decided they weren't fit to continue life here on earth on the way we want to live. And I think most people will believe that. The rapture is, is at hand, but I do think that it will be a fall. That's my personal opinion. That's just my personal opinion. 
where the, the first four feasts of Leviticus 23 were fulfilled on the dates that they were always kept. I think the fulfilling of the Feast of Tabernacles may be the event of the rapture. It was interesting, Christ fulfilled Passover by being the Passover lamb when his disciples, at, you know, they were wondering where they were going to keep the Passover. Here's for the Last Supper. Where are we going to go and have a place to go? Not one of them in any of the accounts that I've seen in the scriptures asked where the lamb was. Just didn't seem to want to know or maybe somehow on some level did know that he was the lamb. But they would have to, in the Old Old Testament days, they, the, the priest would have to confirm that the lamb was perfect. And they, the family would have to keep it for two weeks, make sure it lived and was healthy for two weeks, and then present it to the priest. And the priest says, yes, I don't see any problem. This is a perfect lamb. And then it could be slain and used to keep the Passover, the blood on the doorpost and overhead which incidentally does make the shape of a cross. Um, in the ultimate fulfillment of the Passover, with Christ being the Lamb, to me it's interesting that the one to proclaim that he had no flaw, that he was perfect, was Pontius Pilate. That's just a side note. Who knows, maybe he got sorted out we should wish for any of them to see us in heaven we should wish to see them this rapture um, verse 26 of Luke 17 And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. This, this, this day, this day of the Son of Man, it's going to happen when everybody thinks everything is fine. Adrian Rogers made this evident, pointed this out for people that believe that now the rapture happens at the end of the seven-year tribulation. He said people at the end of that seven-year tribulation after those vile judgments are poured out, they're not eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. They're, They're clinging to their very lives. They're suffering. Verse 28, likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. You know, the angel told Lot, they said to him, you, um, you all need to leave. We can't do anything until you're gone. Those are the instructions that they would have received from God himself, possibly through Michael, or, um, but certainly the chain of command began with God himself. 
Um, well, here's a picture of those who have God's favor being delivered out of a particular situation before judgment fell. This too is a pre-trib rapture key, I think. Verse 30, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. I want to keep that spot there and look at something in Matthew 24. Uh, and he's not talking about the one taken, one left here. But he's certainly talking about what seem to be tribulation events. Um, Matthew 24. <clears throat> so he goes through some of the things that he says, you know, things like, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh saved for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Uh, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not, we're familiar with all this. And he comes to the end of that idea with these two verses verse 27 Matthew 24 for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west so shall also the coming of the son of man be a simultaneous event then he says for wheresoever the carcass is there will the eagles be gathered together well in Luke 17 and 37 says, Wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. That Bible right there gets this wrong. Now I got saved reading the NIV. I might, I might, I might be from the south side of the kingdom, but here I am. <laughs> I know that the King James is the proper authority, scripturally, because we've had it. And it's been proven in use for over 400 years. And it you know it's not a Zondervan publication with a copyright. God has given us this, and and no translation should be accepted that has differences to what the King James has, because it's been proven in use. And you hear these people say, "Oh, well, you know, it's been the Bible's been changed by man over the years." And, all these scribes put their stuff in there and that male chauvinist apostle Paul put all that stuff he wrote in there. No. God ordained this. It's God breathed. And we have it. Most people don't read it though. 
wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And in Luke 17, wheresoever the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Carcass, body, carcass, body. The Greek here on carcass is toma, P-T-O-M-A. The Greek here on body is soma, S-O-M-A. Toma and soma. That translation puts dead body here in Luke 17, and it's not a dead body. It is Greek soma. Because they're saying where, they want to know, where, where this one taken, the one that's taken, where are they going to be taken to? And Jesus said, where the body is, there will the eagles be gathered together. I actually heard David Jeremiah teach this wrong. I'm pretty certain I can say that. I like him. Yeah. But he said, uh, you don't want to be fed to the buzzards. You want to be the one left. You don't want to be the one taken. There's some problems with that. The Greek gives us a big problem with it because taken is paralambano and that means to embrace, to take one's, to take to oneself. Jesus said in John 14, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and paralambano, I will take you to with me. The, one, the word for left, the Greek for left is aphema. It means forgotten, forgotten, forsaken, pushed aside, divorced even. It is true that a FMI has been used for forgive. But that, you know, I think that we cannot misunderstand forgive. When Jesus said to forgive something, he's not saying go put your arm around this drunk driver, killed your family member, and tell him, hey, aren't you great? I forgive you. Let's go have a beer. That's not what he's saying. He's saying get it off your desktop. Divorce it. Reject it. That's what that's what forgive really means. Just let it go. So you want to be the one, Paralambano. You want to be the one taken. Where, Lord? He said, wheresoever the body is, so my living body, there will the eagles be gathered together. Where do you find a flock of buzzards <coughs> shortly before the feast? Where do you see them first? in the air gathered together circling in the air to me I take that as a clue that we're going to be called up there are other subtle hints of a rapturing of the church even in the Old Testament with Elijah right but uh yeah I have one question okay um, in Luke seventeen thirty, it says um, talking about Thirty-one, talking about uh, not coming down from the house top to gather your stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And right in between thirty and thirty-one, thirty and thirty-two, right at the end, it says, "Remember Lot's wife." Okay, um, the rapture. How would you be able to come down off the roof and gather your stuff? If it was a, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, um, you wouldn't. And, and if you didn't, what would happen? Would it be like what happened to Lot's wife? Well, she was lingering and she looked well, back. She, she looked back means yeah. that, uh, didn't believe. Right, or 
wondered at least. What you know, it was lukewarm at least. So if you take some, sometimes it seems like in like Matthew twenty four and here and other places, it seems like there's a mixture of the rapture and the end of the world, the second coming. Uh, and you know, from one set of verses to another in the same chapter. And I was just wondering if sometimes like in Luke twenty four, uh, I mean Matthew twenty four, um, some of the teaching seems to be about the rapture and some of it seems to be about the, the day of the Lord. The, the, the um, tribulation, yeah. Uh, well, the second coming, not the rapture, the second coming. Okay, I see Maybe what you're saying. Maybe you got something about that. Yeah, I'll be Well, out. Luke, a lot of people, most people teach Luke in all of this course too. If you study that right closely, it's not. Matthew mm-hmm. and Mark, or Luke, is all of it this course. Mm-hmm. Luke, most of that was fulfilled in 70 AD. If you study that and put it together, it's it's not talking about in, in context, there's a big gap there. I got you. Yeah. There's a big gap. Yeah. Now, if has anybody ever studied the gap the gap not the gap theory of Genesis one one and okay. but the gap. Someone if you got time to go through this just one second. Yeah, to, please. Go to Luke chapter four and verse about verse eleven, I think, where Jesus was a Nazarene teaching in the synagogue. Luke chapter four. While y'all are turning there, let me holler out for some tea. Hey babe. Christian, I hear dishes going, but I don't. <laughs> she's not listening to you. I hear dishes. Trey, would you ask her to bring me a, some tea? My getting dry. Do you have a cup? I don't. I don't have a cup. And it's it's in verse uh, when he's teaching in the synagogue. Verse sixteen. Read through verse 18, somebody. 16 through 18? Through 19. Through 19. Okay, yeah. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind. Thank you, Trey. To set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, what punctuation mark is after the Lord? Verse 19, mm-hmm. period. Go to Isaiah 61, about where he was quoting from. and It, it goes up, it basically the same way. But I want you to notice what punctuation mark is after the Lord. And that, Luke 61, the first two verses. Uh-huh. That's the first two verses uh-huh. of uh, Isaiah 61. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, comma, and the day of vengeance of our God. Okay, what's the difference in the period and comma? He couldn't say that in Luke because he didn't come to fulfill the last part of it. That comma represents that long gap of time. What's in that period? The church. 
Yeah. Now, this is something else you can think about. That comment is mentioned 24 times in the New Testament. And ask yourself this question. Does that have anything to do with the 24 elders of Revelation 24 by? Well, I, I think it's interesting to consider. Uh, I, the rabbis say coincidence is not a kosher word. <laughs> it's not a kosher word, right? word <laughs> So, yeah. But what you're talking about there, these, these gaps, and okay. Luke especially. So it's not part of the Olivet Discourse? Well, as we think of it, as we think of it, as, as Matthew puts it, it's not. Mm-hmm. But now these portions of it that he is. Yeah, that that that's the, what confuses me a lot of times. I've read Matthew twenty-four over and over and over and over again, and it seems like some of it is the the of the Lord, and some of it is the rapture. Some of it's <coughs> anticipation of the Antichrist. Some of it is when the Antichrist is already there. Well, see, in, in Luke, if it's filled, fulfilled in 70 AD, then you look to the rapture. That's on way down the line. Mm-hmm. But if it's in Matthew talking about the tribulation, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, you can't be talking about the rapture. It's talking about the second coming. Well, look at Matthew again, 24 then. Um, that's a good point. Um, maybe verse 16, let, then let him which be in Judea flee unto the mountains, let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time no nor ever shall be this now, get that in context read verse 15 of that same chapter when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by daniel the prophet stand in the holy place whoso readeth let him understand now what's that talking about that's the midpoint of the tribulation yeah. when the antichrist goes into the temple and desecrates it, and stops, breaks the covenant, and breaks the covenant with Israel. Then all hell's going to go us. And what he's saying there in the rest of that is, get out of town and get out of town quick. And that is being that makes um, sense. Yeah. This is written to people that didn't go in the rapture, but they'll still be reading this book. Is that how you would see that? Well, yeah, that can't be talking about the, the rapture because the rapture has already happened. You see, a lot of people says, well, the rapture is. There's three viewpoints, four viewpoints of the rapture. Pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, and post. Mm-hmm. Well, you can prove some of that totally wrong. You can, I can take you to the Bible right now and prove in five minutes that it's impossible for post-trib rapture. What is your personal view? Pre-trib. Yeah, mine too. That's only when it really would make much sense. So Let me give you a... Does it, Someone go to Hosea twelve ten. I don't want. I don't want to get too involved here. No. Why not? That's why you're here. Well, no. I mean, this is we're supposed to be. We're so, I mean, I was out of anything to talk about. <laughs> I'm serious. The Lord knows. I'm telling you the truth. They can't keep the Lord When you're passionate, when you're passionate about God, when you're passionate about His Word, it's kind of hard to stay quiet about it. And that's a good one. chapter of Hosea twelve ten. Okay. I have also spoken by the prophets and have multiplied visions and used similitudes by the ministry of the prophets. Okay, what is a similitude? 
It's a type of. Yeah, type, type it, it's of. It's a type of. Now, let's go back through the scripture. I'm just going to pick out one. In fact, I'm going to pick out two when I leave. I'll only leave you with something you may know, you may not. Okay, in the coming future, if we believe in the pre-trib rapture, there's three groups of people in a pre-trib, in a pre-trib rapture. Those that perish in the tribulation, the lost people. Those that survive the tribulation, the 144,000, but we'll just use that as an example. And the ones that are removed before the rapture, the believers, right? The ones that are removed before the tribulation. Uh, before yes. the tribulation, I'm sorry. No. Okay, in the Old Testament, at the flood, there's three groups of people. The ones that perished in the flood, the one, and there's the type of the, of the non-believers that's yet future. The ones that uh, are saved through the flood, Noah and his seven, eight of them, they're the type of the 144,000. What about the ones that was removed before the flood? How about Enoch? Mm-hmm. He's the type of the church. So yes. you've got those types all through the Bible. Now yep. I'm going to ask you this, and, and, and I'm going to give you the answer to it. And this is one that everybody knows the story of. Now, whether you know the answer to this or not, I've asked this in every Sunday in every place, mm-hmm. and 99.9% of them has got it wrong. And I would have too, by the way. The story of Abraham and Isaac. God told Abraham to offer up Isaac, and he showed him where to go to. They went went up the mountain, right? Now, who went up the mountain? Abraham and Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. Abraham and Isaac. Who came off the mountain? Who? Just Abraham. Just, just Abraham. No, Abraham and Isaac. Re- go go twenty two nineteen. Genesis twenty two nineteen. Now, I'm not going to give you the answer to this, but remember that similitude. Mm-hmm. Said so and God opened. Well, I'm in the wrong. Twenty two nineteen. Here. So Abraham returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together. To Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Now the question is: Now who came off the mountain? Just Abraham, according to this. <laughs> read, you go ahead and read. Twenty-two nineteen. Twenty-two nineteen. So Abraham. Now, I'm gonna confuse you. <laughs> well, you know, you would have assumed that. Absolutely. That now we go. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. But does the Holy Spirit say that? No, He doesn't. But it, he, Isaac doesn't show up until. Uh, his wife, his wife along. Uh, well, and Leroy High. Yeah. Uh, Lehi Roy. Yeah. And at, at the well of living water in, in yeah. Genesis 24. But read, but read uh, mm-hmm. Genesis 22 19. I just want him to see that. Yeah, I would have assumed as well. So Abraham returned on his young men, and they rose up and went together to Bathsheba. Bathsheba. Uh, and Abraham dwelt at Bathsheba. Now, what's that? Or not? Yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you see. Ain't there. Ain't there. <laughs> Where's he at? You're right. You're Still on the mountain. mountain. Is he? He's gone. Now, if we was in reality, if we was there at that point in time, we would see Abraham and I, I'm sure to see Abraham and Isaac come off the mountain. I'm sure they came off together. But why does the Holy Spirit bend the Scripture so far to almost make it? As though Isaac didn't. Yeah. It's the typology you're talking about. Now remember what a type is. The father when, when, uh, who's, who's Abraham a type of? God. Who's Isaac a type of? Jesus Christ. Jesus. 
Now, if you if you go to Rebecca, Isaac's wife, when it went and got, she's a type of the church. Who introduced them to each other? Unnamed servant. servant. Yeah. Now, the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Now, where did Jesus go after he was resurrected? Back to heaven. That gap is chapter 23. Mm. Abraham, uh, Isaac is pictured as in, is gone in heaven. <clears throat> if he's a type of Christ. That makes sense. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I mean, I sense. love stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I, I actually look for it. I've never seen that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, there are all of these typologies, shadow pictures. So. The, Ruth, the book of Ruth has got the most of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I ask you this quick question in Ruth. Boaz is a type of who? Christ. Ruth is a type of... I have to say the church. Absolutely. Who introduced them to each other? An unnamed servant. An unnamed servant. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, in, in John 14, 16, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will not speak of himself. But, in, back in Ruth, there's a closer kinsman than Boaz was. Kinsman redeemer. But he, he, was, couldn't, he couldn't redeem for whatever reason. He wasn't revealed to us on the day of Pentecost until the day of Pentecost. No, not, not, we're not, not talking about the Holy Spirit in this case. We're talking about this unnamed servant that could not redeem the land. See, Boaz was a kinsman redeemer type of Christ. But in the book of Ruth, they, you had to be able, willing, and qualified to perform the duties that was qualified. Boaz was. This closer servant is not named. And was charitable. He was supposed to have the first shot at it, to redeem it, and for whatever reason, he couldn't. Who's he a type of? Mm-hmm. The law. What the law couldn't do, Christ okay. could. Do you think there's significance to where he has to give his shoe? Well, that was the law in the Old Testament. That was an act of shame. If you couldn't fulfill certain things, giving someone else's shoe was a type of shame, and they had to walk around, I think, in two weeks. Ah, barefoot. barefoot. Well, at least without that one, anyway. Yeah, was, that was a top. And they still use that in the Middle East. Uh huh. They sure do. <clears throat> what did he use to get her? It says he left uh, special grains for her to glue. Yeah. 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 Her? Now that was for Naomi. Yeah. Now she's a type of who? Okay. Israel. Israel. For Naomi. Israel. Yes. The, the typology in the Old Testament is amazing. God, it reveals the New Testament. I'm going to give you one more and I'm going to hush. <laughs> I don't think you need to hush. Please don't. In Luke chapter 14, this woman in issue of blood. Remember her? Uh, now, how long has she had the issue of blood? 12 years. 12 years, 12 years. Jesus is on the way to, to heal or to raise or, or to, you fill in the blind, a Jewish girl. How old was she? 12 years old. That's the Holy Spirit saying, Look out, something's going on here. This woman had the issue of blood. Had to be a Gentile. Because if you're a Jew, you could be inside the gate. She was a demon unclean. Well, who's the woman? Now, Christ was stopping for himself in this case. He was on the way to raise up a Gentile or a Jewish girl, which uh, Jairus' daughter was a type of. Who's the woman with the issue of blood type of? The church on the way to, to raise up Israel. See, Israel's not raised up yet. They're, they're still blinded because yeah. they didn't believe in Christ. On the way to raise up, to restore Israel back to his 
biblical sense, he healed a Gentile bride. Tried the church. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it sure is. Absolutely. I'm, I'm through. <laughs> no, I think that's good stuff. And, I'm through. And when you see that, all those things, they just connect together the amazing truth and the weavings of... Now, don't try to build doctrine on similitude. But if you study similitude long enough, you can build doctrine on the results. There you go. Good yeah. word. Good word. Right. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's such a deep... Bible, but you can't fathom it. I have a feeling we'll study it for all of eternity. I don't mm-hmm. think it, I don't think it'll ever exhaust. Anybody know the acronym? Basic well, construction. Basic construction before leaving Earth. Yeah. <laughs> I'll share this with you and see what you think. Most of these have heard me say it. I had a lot of trouble with the idea of how do we explain this Trinity, and well, I wanted that's to. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Well, I got an idea. We'll see okay. what you think of it. 1 Thessalonians 5. Um, First Thessalonians five and twenty-three. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> that verse says, "And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly." W h o l o y completely. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you got a spirit, you got a soul, you got a body because we're made in his image. Let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. So God has a spirit and a soul and a body. So what got me on this was I asked that same minister I talked about earlier about Exodus 33. I said, you're telling me Jesus is God, but now we're here in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's asking if he can't get off the hook. If there, you know, is there some other way? You know, and he was shedding, you know, sweating blood. And um, I said, how can you say he's God when he obviously isn't feeling too good about what's going to take place here? He didn't answer. But most of us have run a splinter in our hand at some point. I know Jerry does a lot. I'm I'm not, I got ways to go catch up. But you know, when you put a splinter in your hand, it's got to come out. And as soon as you get that knife to the flesh, uh, a discourse begins to take place. Um, Your mind, in your mind, you see, your mind to me is God the Father equivalent of your mind. Your um, body is Jesus. Jesus is the body that God has. And as soon as you put that pen or knife or whatever you're going to try to pick that splinter out with, as soon as it touches the flesh, the flesh says, wait a minute, hold on a second. Are you sure about this? I know you got to do it, but isn't there any other way? 
And eventually, momentarily, the body will say, nevertheless, not my will, yours be done, get it out. God himself felt all that pain in his body. That's how I view it. Well, I feel right. I agree with you. That's how I view it. And, you know, that's... The other parts of the Trinity. The Spirit is the one that I have the most trouble trying to wrap my mind around. But when Jesus in John 17 says that we are in him and that he is in us, and we see the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God encompasses all of those of us who he has saved, who he has sealed. And, and we are with him. We are in him and he is in us. He's just according to the Lord's very word. And um, I, um, I think once you are truly saved, you do change. It definitely, you know, there's things like, I changed very quickly. I was reading in Ephesians, trying to win that argument with that retired police officer about once saved, always saved. And it just, wham, it hit me as I read through Ephesians. This is all true. You realize that? This is every word true. There's no mistake. Every word is true. And I knew it in that instant. And I, to me, that's when God said, this poor fellow needs the Holy Spirit. <laughs> And I got it. I got his Holy Spirit. And I began to, when I'd ride my motorcycle, I would look at churches everywhere I went, just drawn to them. Didn't know anything about denominations up until then. I hadn't cared. I did know that Paul discouraged denominations and divisions in 1 Corinthians 1. But I, he gave me of his Spirit, and, and I, the mess that I am, I'm still, still there. Let me ask you this question. At the rapture, I, I'm, I'm sure all of you, if you if talk to anybody about the rapture, they say, buddy, that's not work in the Bible. Have you ever come across that? I've heard people say that. I, I've, I've been in that situation. People say, you talk about something that's not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Well, what they're talking about, they don't know the Bible, to be honest with you. I don't mean to be dogmatic about it. But they, the word rapture comes from the Latin word raptura. And it comes from the Greek word apostle. And it means to be snatched. The true meaning needs to be snatched out. But the King James translators use the definition called up other than the word itself. Mm-hmm. So the, the rapture is in the Bible. It's right there in First Thessalonians Thessalon, chapter 4. The word's not. Right. But now, let me ask you this question. At the rapture, will the Holy Spirit leave the earth? My opinion, no. I'm just going to say why, because in Revelation 14, we've got the gospel being proclaimed by an angel, it says. And these are, um, I know that Second Thessalonians 2, a lot of folks teach and believe, and they could be right. Well, go to that and just read that what you're talking about in Second Thessalonians 2. Two um, Who's the restraint? That's what is speculative. To me, if the Holy Spirit meant the Holy Spirit, he would have said that there because he's been mentioned up until that point. But it still yet could be. I think it is. It could be. Because him. it's got a, pro, a personal pronoun in it. He. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think the Holy Spirit, or the Trinity, I put it this way, is the only force on the earth can hold back the true evil uh, contact that, that Satan has put on the earth. Yeah, and just I, like with... Uh, you know, the angels told a uh, lot, we can't do anything until you're gone. Mm-hmm. And we're going that's, to that's another pre-trib rapture. Yeah. See, he can't bring judgment 
until the righteous is removed. Right. Now read that restrainer. Let's see. About verse 4, I believe, 4 or 5, maybe 6. See, now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth, which holds back, mm-hmm. will let until he t- is taken out. He be taken out of the way. Now, out of the way does not mean out of the world. It means out of the mist. Okay. Compare that with, with John fourteen seventeen. So taking his protection away. Sorry. It's taking the hindering force. See, the, the church. Now, when we say the restrainer is the Holy Spirit, and I tell people, don't stop there. You've got half of it there. Okay. It's the Holy Spirit as He indwells the church. Ah. And as there. As He indwells the church. And right. there are. The Holy Spirit would then still be here too. After. Absolutely. Now read 14 17. And, and you get the two tenses there. This is John 14 and 17. Uh-huh. Even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. What tense has he got? He shall be with you, yeah. present tense. Mm-hmm. Now that's before Pentecost. He will be in you. That yes. couldn't have happened to Pentecost. Because the Holy Spirit was not indwelling Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Yeah, it's true. Yes. And even in John chapter 20 here on that same... Do you think that people, uh, when after the rapture, think people will, uh, the Holy Spirit will be there, but they won't be indwelled? It won't be indwelled. That's, you know, that's kind of like... Now, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, what did it say about the rapture? The dead in Christ shall rise, shall rise first. Now, how do you get in Christ? You're baptized by the Holy Spirit. That's right. The Old Testament saints were not baptized by the Holy Spirit. The triple, how many groups of saints are going to be in the world? The Old Testament saints, the church age saints, the tribulation saints, and in these, you could say the millennial saints. Yeah. In the millennial age, right. Mm-hmm. And we believe like that too, that there's a thousand years that will come and mm-hmm. we will have our glorified bodies serving Christ during that time and there will be flesh and blood people who could live a thousand years. Yeah. Um, I think, I think. well, this is going to take too long to get into this. I'm not going to. But that's the way you prove that a post-trib rapture is not biblical. Have mm-hmm. anybody read the sheep and goat judges in Matthew 25, 31, 32? Yes. Okay. That's when he returns and these are people. They, okay, let me ask you this. How many resurrections are there? This, this, two. Two. First and second, right? The, the second is for non-believers from, say, Cain until the end of the millennium. That's a one-time event. The first resurrection is not an event, but it's a category. See, Jesus has already been resurrected. He's the only person that's ever lived on the face of the earth that has a glorified body. Right. We won't get a glorified body. I say we, the church of the rapture. Now, when it says the dead in Christ, the Old Testament saints cannot be in Christ because they wasn't baptized by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> According to Daniel 12, 1 and 2, they're resurrected at the second coming. The tribulation saints are resurrected at the second coming. So there's four stages to the first resurrection. Interesting. On the matter of receiving the Holy Spirit in John 20, Jesus gave the Holy Spirit to the disciples. He said, it's when he had said this, he breathed on them mm-hmm. and said, and right. the exactly. Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. they didn't wait to Pentecost. That's a good point. Yeah, because when he, when he came, to, uh, what, what was it? when Mary came to him, he said, don't touch me. I, 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 I ascended. 
-hmm. And so, and then after he ascended, you know, the spirit he brewed. Well, now that event where Christ appeared in the the room they were sequestered in. In Luke 24. Uh Right. Now, um, he breathed on them, but then on the day of Pentecost, they received with flame, mm-hmm. what appeared to be flames. Oh, that was that was a, a representative of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. that was coming in a different way. Right. Yeah. But the breathing, the breathing, say when they were waiting for Pentecost, what does that represent? The breathing. Spirit. Yeah, where they were breathed. The, the word is ruach, and it it can mean spirit, wind, spirit, or breath. Yeah. And you can take it, I mean, the context is going to determine which he's talking about. And in that context, the breath means the breath, but it symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Okay, now in John the Baptist, he saw the Holy Spirit descending as a dove onto Christ. Uh Uh, That obviously is the anointing of his ministry. Right, right. By the Holy Spirit. Uh Amen. Well, I, um, I love these kind of discussions and Bless me, Earl, that you've been here sharing this. Well, I've enjoyed it. Giving us something to think about, something to talk about. You know, most Christians, they don't want to do this. They don't, they'll go to church every Sunday. They don't want the Bible study. That's yeah. it. Yeah. They, they just want to get their get-out-of-hell-free card. And I'm not saying they don't have it. They've got it. But to me... Well, your eyes get turned <coughs> by the world, the flesh, and, and, and all this stuff. And you, you can be a believer and not really... You, uh, now I'm going to ask this question, and I've got to go. When is the first? Re- remember the four stages. When is the last stage of the first resurrection? When is it over? And I've asked everybody this, and I've got my own. You know, the Acts 17, 11 says, "Study the scriptures daily, mm-hmm. like to bring in, yep. and see whether they think to be so or not." Read Revelation chapter 20, verses five and six, and tell me what you think that means. Oh, read the first six verses. What is that? Revelation 20. One through six. Now this is the second coming. And now I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more until the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Okay, I want to ask you, why is he loosed? Okay, go ahead. I would say he's loosed to go test these nations one last time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus That's and for the sense. word of God. Amen. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Okay, now, all of you, in your opinion, is that the end of the first resurrection? Is that the end of the first resurrection? It says so, doesn't it? It says it's the first resurrection. But the rest of the dead didn't live again until the thousand years over. That's the wicked. Yeah. Would you say right there, at that time, the first resurrection is over? It sounds like it. 
I'm the only one that I can, I can find that really confirms in, that that is the first resurrection. Okay. The reason I'm making this point, the sheep that goes into the millennial in the physical body, mm -hmm. the repopulated kingdom, yes. they're going to live for 4,000 years because mm -hmm. there is no first resurrection in the, in the millennial. There's a translation. Now, there's a difference in the resurrection and translation. See, the, day, the other way you could be resurrected is to die. Right. The only way you could be translated is to be living okay. at the point when he comes back. Okay, yes. Okay. Yeah, that Isaiah 65, it's interesting on this thousand-year millennial About reign. the child being living. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, a, yeah that's interesting amazing. stuff. And then there's another new heavens and new earth after that. Oh, yeah. Yes, I read. 21. So, um, all right. Well, we've been blessed, Earl. Uh, well, I enjoyed it. I hope you can find time to be with us as often as possible. Well, I'm going to try to because I, I enjoy Bible study. I think we should. You know, I, I've told people before, you know, let's say you're a guy. Oh, uh, you know, uh, I'm just in love with this, this woman. I, I think I'm going to marry her and, or whatever. And um, Or maybe you've got a, a girl. You're a guy and you got a girl. You say, well, I love her and I want her to know all about me. And I'll write her some letters. And, you know, and she says she loves me. And she'll go out with me now and again and uh, stabs me up every once in a while. And. And I was at her place, and I saw all these letters that I'd sent to her. She didn't even open. And she said she loved me, though. How could she love me and not read what I wrote for her? Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. God has written a lot to us. That's that uh, similitudes again. Yes. Using that as God's Word. Letter to us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, let's join hands, and we'd be honored, Earl, to have you close us tonight. Dear Father, we come to you. We thank you so much for loving us and dying for us. We do thank you for your promises that you said you'd come and give us, that where you are, you would receive us unto yourself, that without we may be also. Thank you for just providing our needs and being with us, dear Lord, and dying for us. Yes. Thank you for the food you set before us this afternoon and bless the ones that prepared it. Now go with us. We pray that we glorify you in everything we say and do. And one day we'll see you face to face. We pray that you tell us a job well done. Yes. Thank you for loving us. In the holy name I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you.